Mac Power Users, Episode 31, Talking to Your Mac. Hello, everybody. This is David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie? I'm doing great, David. I'm talking to my Mac. Well, that's what we're here for. And uh, we're the Mac Power Users. This episode, we're going to cover speech recognition tools and talking to your Mac in general. You know, it used uh, to be that you would um, get committed for doing things like this. Not anymore. Technology's come a long way. Um, Before we begin talking about the speech recognition tools, though, I thought we should talk a little bit about the text-to-speech tools built right into Mac OS X. Uh, have you ever played with any of those? I have played with them, although they were a lot cooler a long time ago when this technology seemed very new and very magical. Well, you know, it's still there. If you go into your preference pane, there's a speech, there's a speech tool. And once you go in it, it goes two directions. It's got speech recognition and text-to-speech tools. This really exists for... Uh, users with disabilities. I think that's kind of the reason it was put there. And there are some people that use it very efficiently. You know, you've got a way you can have it uh, speak wherever your mouse is on the screen and you've got a way to have your Mac convert speech, I'm sorry, text back into speech and talk to you, which is kind of nice. Actually, it's a proofreading tool. Uh, Sometimes I'll load that up and just sit back after I've written something and have the Mac dictate it back to me, and you will hear mistakes that you wouldn't hear otherwise when you're proofreading. It's real easy to read over mistakes over and over and over again, especially when it's something that you've typed, because we all get into the same style and the same rut, and it's so easy to glance over our own mistakes. So I I admit, I too use this, and I also use that um, little technique where sometimes you can, especially if you're in a Cocoa program, you can highlight the text and you can right click as a service if you've got the service enabled and you can say, um, speak this text. I'll use that quite a bit. Yeah. The, uh, well, I think it was Mac OS 10, 10.5 Leopard where they featured the Alex voice. Alex is awesome. Yes. Alex, if you do uh, speech recognition or, or text to speech, use the Alex voice. I think it sounds the best. The others sound very computery, which can be kind of fun sometimes. But, Until the uh, novelty wears off. Yeah, Alex definitely sounds the best. I've got a post half-written for Max Sparky I'm going to put up pretty soon. It's a uh, automator script where you can take uh, any um, text on your screen, you know, when you get backed up on Instapaper, for instance, and highlight it and right-click and activate a um, an, an action that will take the text, convert it to a audio file, and put it into your iTunes. So you can just put download it and listen to in your iPod while you're driving to work or whatever. I just haven't got it posted yet. I've got all the work done on it. I just haven't finished all the writing. Yeah, that's a really good idea. You can download, you can actually automate downloading your RSS feeds and and have Alex read to you your morning news. Yeah, and there there's some applications that do it for you, but uh, since I'm such an automator geek, I figured I'd figure out how to do it myself. Yeah, why pay for an automate, uh, an application when you can automate it yourself? Yeah. So you access that in the speech preference pane. Um, in addition to text-to-speech, it's got uh, basic speech recognition built in. Uh, you can, and you just really kind of need to get in and play with it. In my experience, it's really not that efficient. And uh, I think if you want to really get into this stuff, you need to kind of step up and go with the, the third-party applications we're going to be covering in the show. Right. And at some point, we're going to do an accessibility show, perhaps through a workflow show, where we talk a little more 
uh, about using your Mac um, with a, a more accessibility focus in mind. So uh, we're still working out the details on that, but we will cover that topic in more depth at some point in the future. We certainly will. So let's talk a little bit about the speech recognition tools on the Mac. It's, um, it's come a long way. Yeah. It, I call it the sordid past of speech recognition. Where is this, this great future that we were promised? Oh, it's here. And we're it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was a long road, at least in tech terms. You know, uh, we originally had that Apple Knowledge Navigator. Yeah, I think we we we'll stick a video and the a, a link to a video rather in the show notes. But there there's this great video. I think it's probably from the early '90s of the Apple Knowledge Navigator, and it shows this you know very stereotypical college professor who walks in and basically has this digital personal assistant on his computer who he speaks commands to, and this artificial intelligence assistant you know pulls up data for him and. You know, talks back to him and and organizes his his research and his data and oh that's the future I want man yeah well we're getting there I I was very excited about speech recognition when it first hit computers I uh, the first version I used I think was Dragon one point zero on the PC at Office we we bought a copy and you had to get a very specialized microphone and when you dictated to it you had to put a space between every word. So it was really kind of maddening and it worked okay, but it wasn't faster than typing. I mean, the whole point of this is to be more efficient, Uh, but they've come a long way in those years. And now at this point, if you use one of the, the speech recognition tools that we're going to talk about in the show, you can do a pretty good job of getting rough text into your Mac uh, pretty quickly and easily. Um, The, Application of choice on the PC started as Dragon Dictate. That's now owned by a company called Nuance. And that engine has 10 years of, of experience in it. And frankly, up until recently, I always felt that that was one of the few things that the PC did remarkably better than the Mac is speech recognition because of this one application. Yeah, that that all changed a couple of years ago. I want to say it was Macworld, was it 2008? It was my first Macworld uh, when a company called MacSpeech, who had dabbled in in dictation before, but quite frankly, the the product had, had always been subpar compared to the Dragon product, just finally went out and decided, okay, we're going to license the Dragon engine. Um, and their product, I think, blew everyone away. Yeah. So they took advantage of the 10 years of technology in dragon and put it on the Mac. Yeah. Uh, And we'll talk about that obviously a lot more in depth throughout the rest of the show. But first let's talk about our first sponsor. Yeah. Our first sponsor is smile on my Mac. We actually, uh, David and I both got emails this week from a listener who says that as, as part of his day job, he provides email support and is constantly finding him the need to um, type the same email responses over and over and over again um, to folks. And, and, and basically the subject of his email was canned email responses. And I sat back and I thought for a minute, I go, oh, is he accusing us of sending canned email responses all the time? Because, I mean, no, David, we don't do that, right? No. Heck no. 
No, of course not. Um, so he was asking us. He said he was he was a recent convert to the Mac, and um, there was a, a couple of great PC programs and Outlook programs that he had had used before that would would easily provide him with canned email responses. And is there anything like that on the Mac? And separately, David and I both responded and said, "Oh boy." Not only is there a, a program that will do exactly what you're looking for, it won't only do it in email, but it will do it in anything that you want. And the program that we're talking about, obviously, is Text Expander. So if you find yourself constantly needing to type the same thing over and over and over again, whether it's canned email responses, uh, whether it's boilerplate language for contracts, whether it's directions to your house, uh, or, or anything else that you're typing repeatedly, whether it's a few sentences to a few paragraphs to even a few characters, Text Expander can automate that process for you. Yeah, I find I use Text Expander for almost everything, and they've become so omnipotent or omnipresent, I guess would be the word. Uh, they're on the iPad, they're on the iPhone, they're on the Mac. If you use the Brevi uh, PC app, you can uh, use your snippets on a PC. Uh, so you just start using them everywhere you go. In fact, I found that sometimes I sit down at a computer that doesn't have text expander on it and I start typing snippets without even thinking. Yeah. And then you're going, oh, no. You mean I have to type? <laughs> I got to type? Well, and then you start thinking, oh, well, well let, let, let me start telling these people about text expander and maybe, yeah. maybe they'll wise up. Well, it's just a, a remarkably stable and fast application. It doesn't take a lot of processor speed. And anytime you find yourself repeatedly typing anything, stop and create text expander snippets. I mean, I use them for OmniFocus entries. I use them to process my email. I, I use them for my billing at work. Anything you can think of that you do repeatedly, uh, you can use it. Uh, with the new version, you can even create snippets that have blanks in them. So you can create a snippet, hit the tab key, and fill it in. So uh, just open your mind to the ideas you can do with that. One of my other favorite features of Text Expander is that it keeps track of the statistics and it'll tell you how many characters and words it's um, typed for you and how much time it's saved, which is kind of silly, but it is fun to go in there once in a while and see how much typing it's done for you. But you can get it at smileonmymac.com text ex- slash text expander. It's $35 and it's a great application and uh, actively developed and a a great solution for not only dealing with uh, responding to email, but any type of repeated typing on your Mac. And so we'd so we'd like to thank uh, Text Expander for sponsoring the Mac Power users. Yep, thanks, guys. So let's talk about Mac Speech. Yeah, it's two hundred bucks, hundred ninety nine, and uh, it really kind of changed the landscape on the Mac for speech recognition. Uh, up until that time, I was doing speech recognition through uh, Parallels, you know, with uh, using the Dragon Dictate on the Mac. Uh, but uh, I changed when that application came out. For the 200 bucks, you get the application, you get a microphone, and uh, there's two discs, uh, one with the application, the other one kind of with the, the vocabulary for your Mac. Now, David, I'm going to throw a curveball at you that wasn't in our, our outline. Sorry. Were you able to transfer because it was kind of dragon to a dragon licensed product? Were you able to transfer any of your training from your dragon product on um, the PC through parallels to max speech or did you have to kind of start over? Nope. You had to start all over again, okay. but it, it's not that big of a deal. No, training, it's not. Uh, training this application uh, takes about uh, probably about 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and it, uh, it walks you through it right off the bat. And probably the the time it takes from the moment you walk in the door with your box to the moment you're dictating is about an hour. Mm-hmm. So 
it really is not that difficult to set up, uh, do the initial training and start using this. However, uh, there is additional training modules available and I recommend doing those, uh, not necessarily when you first get the app, but after you use it for a few weeks, uh, do some additional training so you can kind of build up your vocabulary file. Yeah, I tend to tell folks when they ask me about Mac Speech Dictate, and I don't know, you you may vary a little bit in terms of percentages, but after you do the initial training out of the box, after spending that first hour or so with Mac Speech, I tend to find it somewhere between 95 and 97% accurate in terms of everyday speech. Obviously, you know, if you're getting into technical jargon or, uh, you know, specific nouns or, or industry specific terms, you're going to have to train those. But for everyday speech, I, I'm finding that it's, it's highly accurate. But then you are going to have to spend some time going back and getting that extra, you know, three to five percent of your everyday language trained in. Is that about your experience? Well, yeah, but it, it's it depends how you use the application. I'm going to talk a little bit right. about uh, you know best practices because sure. there's definitely a way to dictate to your Mac, and it's not exactly how you would expect. Well, and we should probably back up just a little bit because there are a number of people who probably are not familiar at all with dictating. I mean, you've got two lawyers here who the law industry, the medical industry, there are certain industries in general who are probably used to picking up a dictaphone in dictating. You probably have a whole generation of people who have no idea how to dictate. Yeah, and you're going to learn if you okay. listen to this show. We're going to get there. But right. before we get there, you know, the setup, the microphone is a USB microphone. So you plug it in and it's corded, the microphone that comes with it, uh, which is fine. It works great. Uh, be careful. I've found that I have a tendency to roll over those cords with my chair wheels. Right. And that causes trouble after a while. Uh, but it's a headset f- microphone. The point is the microphone needs to be near enough your mouth and it needs to be, uh, it needs to just capture the audio in the immediate vicinity. Uh, you know, uh, f- speech friendly microphones are ones that will not capture, for instance, the lawnmower across the street or uh, noise outside the office. You want to be able to get one that just captures the immediate, inform- the immediate uh, data, the immediate audio. And the one they ship with it works just fine. So you don't need to worry about that. I mean, for the 200 bucks, you're good to go. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a super high-quality podcasting setup microphone rig. Yeah, in fact, I have uh, moved to a wireless microphone. Uh, about a year or two ago, they had a deal, and I purchased one of these Plantronics Callisto uh, headset microphones. And uh, looking at the website, it looks like they are selling them uh, right on the MacSpeech uh, site now. In fact, for $300, you could get the wireless uh, microphone instead of the wired microphone. And I really love that wireless microphone. It works on a Bluetooth technology. It comes with a little Bluetooth dongle that is exclusive to the microphone. It doesn't see other Bluetooth devices. And you just plug it into the USB port on your iMac or your MacBook. And you turn it on and you're good to go. And it works really nice. If you listen to the audio on it, the quality is not as good as a wired microphone. But mm-hmm. I've used it for speech recognition now for probably a couple of years almost. And it works just fine. The only trick is you have to remember to keep it charged, but you can you can put it <laughs> on like a standby mode. And and I'm pretty good about it because I use it so often. I just keep the cord out and every day at some point when I go to lunch or whatever, I plug it in and, and just leave it. It's, it's always got enough charge to work for me. So that's really kind of a nice upgrade if you're going to do a lot of speech recognition to be able to sit there. And in fact, I use at work, I, I uh, 
I dictate into text um, to text edit quite often, and I make the font like you know thirty points, so I can literally walk around the office and you know mull things over and dictate and see my screen across the room, which is pretty nice. I'm glad you said that because I'm a pacer. When I when I'm dictating, I'm walking around the office as well, and people walk by my door and think that I'm crazy. Yeah, and that doesn't work so well with the wired headset mic. Yeah, that could get you into trouble. Yeah. So uh, if you're going to go with wireless, I recommend getting the Callisto Plantronics because it's recommended by the manufacturer. I've been using it. And frankly, not all Bluetooth headset microphones will work with Max Speech Dictate. I think that it won't recognize certain mics. In fact, there was a time when it didn't recognize the Callisto because I originally bought it to use with the PC. And um, I had to wait until they upgraded it so I could get that advantage. Yeah, you definitely want to check the website. They are adding mics all the time with different upgrades, but it's it's not like you can just go out and, and the Bluetooth mic that works with your you know, iPhone is, is going to work with Mac Speech. Yeah, it, it, if you're using a Jawbone or whatever for your, mic, for your iPhone, it's not going to do it. Right. So don't even think about it. So anyway, you get it set up, you do your initial dictation, and then you start using it. Um, so what's involved with dictating to your Mac? So you've, you've got the Mac speech inv- installed. You, you've already got it trained. Um, and then you, you launch the program. And you can either dictate into the Mac speech notepad or you can dictate, as you said, pretty much into any application. You can do, you do text edit. Um, I usually dictate into Word or Pages, or, but you can text edit. It's probably a good idea. I like the idea of blowing up the font real big. Um, we talked a little bit about dictation best practices. Nobody ever taught me how to dictate. There was there was never a, a class on this. We always learned how to type. Um, and I always thought dictation was for those stodgy old people who never learned how to how to type. So I thought I'm I'm never going to need to learn how to dictate because I can always type, so I don't need to learn how to do that. And in my first semester clerkship of my first year of law school, um, the guy who ended up being one of my great mentors handed me this dictaphone and took away my laptop. And I I said, what are you doing? And he said, here, I want you to learn how to use this. And I said, no, 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 give give me that back. And he said, no, no, this is something new. Trust me. And and that first couple of... uh, a days of using that dictaphone was was really tough, and I had a very patient legal assistant who laughed at me a lot, and and then really helped me along the way, and 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 uh, had some nice patience with me. But um, you have to dictate the punctuation for one, and um, dictating to a computer program is obviously a lot less forgiving than dictating to a person because the person that you're dictating to is probably going to have a general idea of what you're talking about, whereas the computer is just going to translate straight words and sentences and spelling. So um, you have to be very strict with your dictation practices when you're dictating to a computer. Yeah, I think the key is to spend a little bit of time thinking about what you're going to say. Uh, once you start the flow of dictation, uh, the computer will hang right in there with you. The problem is when you stop to say, um, or, uh, and you say two words because you're not sure which was the right word. And then, you know, Mac speech or any speech recognition program is going to go into fits. And so don't be afraid to turn off the microphone and stop and think. I think, Far too often people don't do that. Don't be afraid to pause 
or to put the, the program into sleep mode, both whether you're dictating to an actual person or a machine, because I think they will both will appreciate you for it. Yeah. So when you set it up, you do your initial training. And one of the tricks is when you do your training, just speak like you normally would speak. Don't do your training in any special voice because then you're going to need to do that special voice all the time. The whole point of the training is to get an idea of what you generally sound like. Um, when you're dictating to a computer, you also want to make sure you keep your pace about regular. Uh, don't talk too fast, but don't go too slow either because if you go too slow, it'll start breaking words into their component syllables and changing them into all sorts of strange uh, transcription. Um, another bit of advice I'd get is, is sit up straight and talk properly. It's really easy in our daily conversation to become very informal. Your Mac doesn't get that. You need to sit up. I, you know, I think uh, one of the things I like to do is pretend I'm Walter Cronkite or somebody when I, when I dictate. Just sit up straight and just say it out and enunciate every word. It's not that hard to do. And it makes a remarkable difference in the speech recognition uh, capabilities and, and uh, percentage of uh, correct, you know, dictation. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a good tip. Yeah. When you open a Mac Speech Dictate, it's got a few windows. The way you drive the application is it's got a status window, which allows you, in essence, to see whether or not your microphone is live. And it gives you a running tally of what you're dictating as you go. And you can change the formats. Um, we've been talking a lot about dictating text in, but Mac Speech Dictate also has a whole procedure for uh, dictating commands. So you can command your Mac as well. Yeah, Mac Speech has a couple of different modes. They have first is dictation mode, which is probably the standard mode that you would expect, where it's expecting you to dictate standard words, standard sentences. Um, it also will try to understand and interpret commands or certain commands while you're in dictation mode, but it also has a separate command mode where it's expe it's specifically trying to learn commands from you. Um, it also has a spelling mode where if you've got particular words or phrases that you want to spell out, you can do that as well. Is there one more mode I'm missing? Well, it's all we've basically it's vocabulary, the vocabulary, vocabulary editor, voice commands, and dictation mode. Right. And frankly, I would recommend if you're interested in this, it should be for the dictation mode. Mm -hmm. um, the command mode, it works. You can tell it to print a document and you can tell it to move around. And if you have a disability, I think it can be very useful. Sure. But in practice, uh, if you're listening to this show, you're probably by this time a launch bar geek and. You've got, you know, different applications automating a bunch of your actions and you're a keyboard jockey and you're going to be moving faster without your voice. And it's really kind of frustrating to sit there and try and give your Mac commands and have it not do the right thing or jump around. I've never really had the kind of consistent success with command mode in any computer uh, dictation software that give me enough confidence in it to want to use it all the time. Uh, and I just feel kind of foolish uh, sitting there telling my Mac to do things like open text edit and print and save. It just, it seems to me easier to do that stuff on a keyboard basis. I'm uh, glad you said that because when you read the documentation and you watch the introductory videos that come with Mac speech, they really want you to take a hands-off approach. But I've never been able to do that with Mac speech. It's It's great for dictating. It's great for getting the text in there. 
but then I always stop and I, I use my hands for the formatting and I use the keyboard to, to do all the other stuff. So I'm really a hybrid user of it. I, I'm not a big command user either. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing about Mac Speech Dictate. It, it's a great app and I have been using it exclusively for dictation. I don't use the Windows dictation software much, if at all, anymore. I still have it on my PC at work, so occasionally I'm sitting there, so I'll use it. But uh, I am not at all afraid to do dictation with Mac Speech Dictate exclusively. But that being said, it's not as good as the PC version of, of Dragon right now. The, um, the user interface isn't quite there yet. And there's tools available on the PC version, correction tools, for instance, that are faster and easier to use than they are on the Mac. And I get that. I mean, it's a new app. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they've got the same engine, you know, one version has 10 years experience and one has two, mm-hmm. at least 10 years. They're probably been around longer than that. So, and Mac Speech Dictate has made large strides since they first released. So they're, they're getting there and they're catching up, but they're not quite there yet. But that being said, I think the real magic about Mac Speech Dictate is ripping out text. I mean, open up text edit, put it in full screen, and just sit back and talk. And you, know, you can get so much text in so quickly. And you do it. One of the reasons I got into it is because I have some RSI issues with my fingers. If I type yeah. too much, they get sore. I mean, I've never had it diagnosed or anything, but I, I feel it. Um, and it's really nice to be able to get those out. But it, that may be the reason you start doing it. But the reason you stick with it is it's just faster. So long as you know what you're going to say, you can get a lot of text in your computer really quickly, much, much faster than typing. And that was something that I never believed. I never believed that I could dictate text faster than I could type. And boy, was I wrong. Um, you know, every law partner that I've, I've worked with has yelled at me for typing because I was always convinced that I could type so much faster than I could dictate. And, and my response to them was, you know, in the nicest possible way, Hey, old man, I can type way faster than you can hunt and peck. So back off. Um, but boy, you know, they were right. Um, you know, you can get a lot more done dictating, uh, than you can typing. It's just, that's just all there is to it. Um, you know, I, I still type out quite a bit when, when I'm doing critical thinking or if I'm having to, to formulate things or if I'm thinking as I'm typing and I'm needing to crap together things. But for individual letters or memos where I know what I'm going to say, dictation is far and away faster than typing. Yeah, well, there's a couple points you've raised there. Uh, if you're doing a one or two sentence email, just no, type it out. Just type it out. Okay. Uh, if you're doing something that's a page or so, and you know in your head what you want to say, plug in and dictate it. Right. It's faster. You know, just, just dictate it out, and you can go back later and edit. And I frankly do corrections with the keyboard. Mm-hmm. I don't go and do them with the voice. Although Max Beach Dictate has made progress there, and you can go back and make edits with your voice. Uh, I, I've done it on the PC. I'm still not that comfortable with doing it on the Mac, and I'm faster doing it with the keyboard. Uh, if you want to do a long piece, and that's the one you were talking about where you need to think about it, uh, do your thinking in advance. I, I think that it's really worth exploring this. You know, we've got applications like Omni Outliner where we can outline very quickly and easily. Uh, and you've got a big project. Sit back and give some thought to it. I like to use MindNote. Uh, which is a little mind mapping application. I think it's like 15 bucks and they've got a great version for the iPad. And this is another way the iPad has kind of changed my life is 
I'll sit back with the iPad and mind map out an extended brief or post for Max Sparky or whatever I'm working on. And then I'll sit back there and organize it, kind of fiddle with my, you know, with the fingers. I love the touch uh, ability to move things around on a mind map. And then I'll sit there and look at the mind map and turn on the microphone and I'll be able to dictate through a very extended piece. I mean, I just wrote a 2000 word review for Max Sparky that's going to go up on a secret app by the time this will come out. Hopefully it'll already be out. And I did the whole thing using a mind map and my microphone. And it took me about an hour and a half, which would have taken much longer if I had sat down and typed it all out. Okay. So you can do it. Just you know, give it a chance. Once you get comfortable with the technology and just accept that you're going to just rip through this thing and dictate it and there's going to be mistakes in it. And a lot of times I don't even look at the screen. I don't get hung up on that. I just want to get that text in there and then later I can go back and fix things. Right. And then you also have to accept that it's going to drive you crazy if you keep looking at the screen because the screen is always going to be a sentence or two behind you. Yeah, think about what you want to write, not about what the computer's doing. Right. Uh, it does make sense, though, before you start doing an extended entry, uh, to think about the vocabulary terms you're going to use. If you're going to be using the name of an application, for instance, and you know that's not in the dictionary, uh, uh, Max Speech Dictate has a way to add that word to your dictionary. So go in and add it before you start the dictation. Because if the word doesn't exist in the dictionary, Max Speech Dictate is going to come up with something else entirely for it. And that's going to cause a problem. The, the, way, um, the way dictation software works is it's not like a human. It doesn't look to the words you say and, and sort them out in its brain. It, it, it's a context machine. It knows that certain words go together. So, if it's, so when you talk... Um, and you use a word that could have two or three different meanings, it looks at the words surrounding that, and it makes a decision based on the surrounding words. That's not the way the human brain works. It, it's much different. So if it starts using the wrong words because you don't have the word in the dictation vocabulary, it's going to affect the words surrounding that, and it could just screw up the entire sentence. So when you go back to proofread it, you have no clue what it says. So uh, set up your vocabulary before you start doing any dictation. What else do you use Max Speech Dictate for? I use it mostly for letters, for memos. Um, I've used it for quite a few blog posts. Um, I use it for lengthy emails. I don't use it for a couple of sentence emails. Um, but some of my emails are get quite lengthy, so I'm using it more and more for emails. I don't use it for uh, anything that's that's short sentence or two. I, I find that it doesn't tend to do as well for anything really short form. So certainly no Twitter, no instant messaging or, or anything like that. Um, uh, I, I tend to not use it, although I think I am going to take your, your brain mapping idea more, more to heart. I tend not to use it for longer research projects or briefs or, or papers or things like that. But so I think um, letters and lengthy emails and letter type things is my sweet spot. Yeah, I like to uh, use it. Another way I use it is I'll open a text edit file and then I'll have my OmniFocus in front of me, you know, uh, my list of emails I need to respond to or whatever. You know, I've got a list of items I need to deal with. And sometimes I find it really efficient to just sit there and open one text file and just rip through all of them. You oh, know, and then email copy responses. Okay. Yeah, email responses, everything I need to do. And I use the uh, the dash term, you know, because if you mm -hmm. say dash, it's two hyphens next to each other. So 
I'll say, you know, you know, dear Katie, thanks for the email about, you know, the sweet potato pie recipe. It's great. I'm going to use it this weekend. You know, then new paragraph dash dash. And then I say, you know, dear John, whatever, you know, so I go on to the next email. And so I'll go through. So you're turning, you're turning your short little email responses into a longer letter form thing. Or I even put long letters in there too. I just, I just go through and I don't let the technology hold me down. I just make this long text file. And sometimes I'll, depending on what I'm doing, sometimes I'll even send it off to my secretary and she'll take care of all of them or I'll sit there and block and copy them out. You have myself. your secretary email me, David? I feel so. Well, I was a different Katie. No, I know, I know. Uh, but so the, the point is you get this text file and you, and then the next step really in the process is, is proofreading. And we haven't really talked about that yet, but uh, if you dictate, you must proofread. Yes. You must proofread. Oh, you must. Or you're going to be embarrassed very quickly. Yeah, you're going to, you need to proofread twice as hard as you proofread any other time because it will exchange words that could get you in trouble. And I didn't think about it before the show. I was thinking I should have written down some of the goofy things I've sent to people. It can be quite entertaining. Yeah. So, so that's another reason why I like the text edit big font. Then you just print it out with this big old font and you sit down with a red pen and I double space it. And I just read through it and you'll catch little typos. And one of the best things you can do, like that morning dictation when I was just talking about it, is I'll dictate all that stuff in and then I'll go do something else for an hour or two. Something else I need to work on. So that and, your brain has rebooted. Yeah, exactly. And then I'll print that out and I'll just sit down with my red pen and go through the whole thing and, and catch any mistakes and then process everything. So um, it is much faster than sitting down and typing through this stuff. Uh, you'd be amazed at how much you can get done if you take, um, you know, the Pomodoro technique, you know, we'll talk about that later. We've got a new sponsor. Um, but if you use something like that where you say, okay, I'm going to spend 25 minutes or 50 minutes just doing the work, how much you could get done if you have a good list like, uh, like OmniFocus can give you and the way to dictate and just, just tear all that text into your Mac. Okay. I think that Mac Speech Dictate is worth it. The $200 is a little more pricey than it costs on the PC, but you know, we're Mac users and it's the only option we really have. Uh, it does come with the microphone and it saves you a lot of time. So it, it's definitely worth the value. I'm real pleased to see the way they've been aggressively updating the program and a bit of news uh, recently Mac speech dictate was purchased by nuance, the company that owns uh, the best software on the PC. So my guess is we're going to see a lot of transition so you've got similar commands between the apps and the platforms, and hopefully we'll get some more of the features that they have on the PC version. Yeah, I was initially a little nervous about this because Mac Speech has been a company that's been a Mac company forever and been around the Mac forever and a little nervous about the new guys coming in. But I, I ultimately decided that this was a good thing and um, that we're going to see the years of innovation and the years of work that have gone into the Dragon products. Um, you know, start to start to come. And so far they, they've seemed very dedicated to the product and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes out of it. Yeah, me too. I, I'm not too, I'm not that afraid of this. I think it's going to be a good thing as well. Um, but I guess we'll find out, you know, the proof is in the pudding. We'll find out soon enough, but, uh, so far they seem to be actively pushing it. You know, nuance is also the company that makes some of those great iPhone apps that do speech recognition. Um, and, What's that app called? Do you have it? It's uh, they're called uh, Dragon. Yeah, Dragon, exactly. And uh, it works really good. I use that as well. And speech recognition on your iPhone works quite well. You can 
I dictate OmniFocus entries into it. So if I'm out and about and I remember I need to wash the dog or whatever, I'll just dictate that in and uh, hit the clipping and then go into OmniFocus and paste it. And it's faster than, you know, thumb typing through an extended entry. Yeah. The only way it could be better is that if Apple would actually integrate it into the OS. Maybe one day. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I think a, a Mac Speech Dictate is a great app, and I'm real pleased with it, so long as you accept its limitations. Uh, if you're typing a lot of text, give it a try. And keep in mind, you're going to get so much more out of it. You're, you're going to get a lot out of it right out the bat, right off the bat, but you're going to get even more out of it if you take that additional time to train it and to learn how to use it. Yeah, and the additional training modules, each one takes about 10 or 15 minutes. They aren't real long. I think there's, there's three of them. Uh, and that helps, but also just saving your voice file. And like I said, you know, dictating with the right mentality and doing it right, you know, s- spending some time planning what you're going to say. And adding your, your special, uh, you know, your words to the dictionary. Yeah. Uh, another thing uh, you had said earlier about, you know, pausing the machine. One bit of advice I'd get is if you don't know what the next sentence is going to be, don't start dictating it. You know, right. even if you stop between each sentence and take a few seconds to figure out what you're going to say. Uh, that is much faster than just going at it and stopping in the middle because that's when errors happen. Exactly. Well, I think we've covered Max Speech Dictate. I think it's a pretty good app. I'm looking forward to hearing from users and, and what they use it for. I know at Macworld, I've spoken to several people I've met there over the years who use it, doctors and lawyers, but even just you know people who need to type a lot. And so uh, sound off in the comments. Tell us how you're using Max Speech Dictate and what you like and dislike about it. So let's talk about our next sponsor, 1Password. You yeah. know, we've uh, what, there's one part of 1Password we've, we've been getting emails about that we keep forgetting to talk about, and that's the go and fill capability. You know it's great when our listeners are emailing us and saying, could you mention this in your next ad spot for 1Password? Yeah. Well, you know, it is just a great app, and there's a lot of ways to use it. But So go and fill allows you to launch and log into any of your 1Password sites in one move. Uh, it's accessible from the dock icon and the menu bar button. So, uh, and you can also use a keyboard shortcut. So it's great. If you want to just get, get to the site and log in, go and fill. That's it. One click. Boom. So I am in love this week, uh, with a brand new feature that just launched for one password and specifically, um, that works with one password touch on the iPhone and the iPad. And that is Dropbox sync. And these, these guys are just absolutely brilliant. I don't know. Oh, I don't, I don't know. They just rocked my world. I can't even explain to you how excited I am over this feature. So before you had to do this this wireless sync um, with one password and one password on your Mac and one password on your iPhone, and and it was fine, it was no big deal. You came into range on your Wi-Fi network, and you launched one password on your Mac, you launched one password on your iPhone, and it did its little thing. Well, what I had done a while ago, and what a lot of one password users has done, is they integrated in Dropbox support, so you could put your one password keychain on your Dropbox. So if you used one password on multiple computers, or perhaps maybe you're using their one password beta on your PC, or maybe you're using the one password anywhere product, so you want to have access to one password in multiple places, you can now access one password through your Dropbox. So you got a lot of folks out there who've got their one password keychains in their Dropbox, and you've got all these one password touch applications out there. 
So they figured, why not let the 1Password Touch applications sync over the air wirelessly with Dropbox? So they made it happen. And it just works. And it's you just turn it on. You go in the settings. You tell it to Dropbox sync. And how easy is this? It goes into your 1Password settings on the one password because it knows what your passwords are. And it says, oh, here, I found an entry for Dropbox. Are are these your Dropbox credentials? And you say, yep. And it says, okay, here, well, I found your one password settings. And boom, you're in sync. Everything in one password, it it all magically keeps synced up in the background. Set it, forget it, done. Okay, so I never heard of of that until... It's brand new. Brand new. So is it on the, for instance, let's just pretend I'm holding my iPhone in front of me right now and have one password open. Do I go in the sync settings? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's in the sync settings. And well, the, the, the up, yeah, button. the update just came out. So if you're, if you're not seeing it, you need to, first thing you need to do is you need to um, update one password on your Mac and you need to set it to, um, you, you do need to have one password on your Mac set so that one password is syncing with your Dropbox account. I'm already there. That, okay. So that's you, a given. You've been there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then you, you update one password on your iPhone and your iPod touch or, or your iPad or whatever. And then you go into sync settings and then you go to where it says sync. You can sync over Wi-Fi or you can sync over Dropbox. So you turn Dropbox sync on. It asks you what account it goes through your one password settings and says, Oh, I've noticed you've got a couple of Dropboxes or one Dropbox account. Do you want to use these account settings? It fills in your credentials. Done. Wow. Yep. I need I need to get this thing set up. So can you leave the Wi-Fi sync on too, do you know, or do you need to uh, just pick one? Uh, I don't know. Why would you want to? I guess you're right. Well, you know, that's really neat. I'm going to be playing with that. So this is, maybe I need to update. I'm looking at it right now. It says it can't find the database, but I've, I've got to sort that out. But what a great feature. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, you know, this is also really helpful when you put notes and memos into your one password account, you know, with secure note section. Because I'm like, for instance, I'm going to be going on vacation in a couple of weeks. And I put in a whole bunch of information about, you know, where we're going and, you know, because we're going to Canada, I needed to get our, our passport numbers and stuff like that. And so I put in a secure note. So now I'll know that it's already synced over to my iPad and, and iPhone. Set it and forget it. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, one password is a great application. It's, it's $35. You can get it at onepassword.com. Uh, it's another one of these apps that's everywhere. You can put it on your iPad and your iPhone and they've got a PC version as well. And it solves your password and secure data problems. And I really appreciate them uh, sponsoring the Mac power users, helping us bring the show to everyone and highly recommend this application. So go check it out. If you haven't got a good password solution, this is the one one password.com. All right. So there is more to dictation. I want to say on your Mac, it kind of is, it kind of isn't, right? Yeah, so uh, we're talking about Mac Speech Scribe, which is the new application that came out this year. Yeah, this was the, um, this was the uh, new favorite at Macworld this year. Yeah, it's, it's 150 bucks, And what it does is allows you to dictate into a recorder and then hook that up to your Mac and have it transcribe that dictation. This is a feature that a lot of people were uh, were writing me about when I was writing about Mac Speech Dictate, saying, "Well, can I do this?" You know. So I guess there's a there's a there's a group of people out there that are used to talking into a recorder, and they don't necessarily want to be sitting in front of their computer. 
And I was initially skeptical of this application because Me too. I really was. I, I just didn't think it would work, to be honest with you. I, I had tried several years ago some of this the PC versions of this feature. And it just came out like I mean, it might as well have been speaking Klingon because I, I had no idea what it dictated out of that recording. Well, because yeah. there are so many variables out there. The, what the quality of the audio recorder you're using, what kind of compression format you're using, uh, what kind of microphone you're using, how is your audio processor? I mean, it's yeah. Well, they actually pulled it off here because yeah. I've been using it for a while. Uh, uh, they've got uh, they take a couple different types of recordings. They use AIFF, Wave, M4B, MP4, M4A. They do not accept MP3, which I thought was kind of strange. But, I thought that was odd too, but okay. Uh, so anyway, what it does is you can make this recording and then you you put the digital recording on your Mac and then Mac Speech Scribe will parse that recording and pull the words out of it. Now, the recording has to be at least 120 seconds. So it has to be at least two minutes long, which I guess is reasonable because anything less than that, you probably would just type out. I don't think that's true. I think that's true for your, your initial training. Is that true for the initial training only? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can you can transcribe any section. But when you first set it up, it needs enough of a recording to kind of figure out how the heck you speak. And it does a really good job when you do the initial Maybe training. Maybe I'm just long-winded then. Yeah. So you, you record something, and you can sit down and read a magazine or whatever. And you can record that into a recorder. You could record into your iPhone. I mean, anything that can make a recording, but obviously the better the recording device, the the better accuracy you're going to get. And then you save it in. And when it does the initial training, what it does, it gives you a nice little window and it does it in little 15 second increments and it'll show the text that it thinks you're speaking. And then you have the ability to press a button and have it play the actual recording. So you can play your recording and then see what it transcribed and you can go and fix individual words. And they want you to do at least a two-minute um, session. I think I did like a four- or five-minute session for the mm-hmm. initial training. because I, I did too. Why, why not, you know? And uh, once that's done, then you can just go record and then hit it on your Mac and put it in there. And it does a remarkably good job. This thing really works for the way I like to transcribe because, like I was saying earlier, I really am about just getting the raw text in. Um, so as so long as you have a good recorder and you set it up properly – uh, you can find that this might be all you need. And I was really surprised as what classifies as a good recorder. I figured, okay, I'm probably going to have to go out and buy one of these, you know, $150, $200, you know, digital recorder things and then, you know, input that data into my Mac. But quite frankly, I'm finding my iPhone is doing a great job. Have you tried recording on your iPhone? Yes, I, I think frankly, the iPhone does just a great job recording anyway. The little recorder right. app that comes with the iPhone does That's a good job. That's all I'm using, yeah. yeah. We've even put uh, snippets of recordings on this show from listeners that were just done on that iPhone, and they sound great. So you can do it on that. Uh, you can get yourself a nice dictation recorder if you want. Uh, either way, it just needs to be digital because you have to get the file in digital. The uh, yeah. little tapes aren't going to do it for you. I mean, a dictation recorder is probably going to be a, l- a little more comfortable to hold in your hand, and you you do have the ability to rewind and fast forward and that kind of thing. But I mean, in in terms of something you probably already have in your pocket, you know, the the iPhone is excellent. Yeah, you don't get the immediate feedback of seeing your words on the screen, and I'm not sure if that's a bad thing or a good thing. Uh, no. it, it's it's kind of nice being able to just sit and concentrate on getting the text in and just talking. 
later, you're going to have to go back. But like I said, you can listen to the recording as well, so you can catch any mistakes. Uh, you know, this is really an impressive app. I, I didn't expect a lot, and I find myself using it increasingly. One of the things that I'm finding, it's it's great on the go. Um, in the one of the family projects that we're working on, my, my grandparents throughout their life have, have traveled quite extensively. And um, my grandmother has refused to use a computer. She she hates the ideas of it. So she has a two inch, um, you know, hole punch hardback notebook, which she calls her travel journals. That she has several hundred pages of just a, a travel diary um, that over the years has deteriorated. And one of the things that she wants to do is preserve those travel diaries. Um, for her children, but she refuses uh, to sit at a computer and type that in because computers are evil and she will not use one. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set her up with a uh, simple digital recorder and have her just talk to us. And um, she's very familiar with dictation. She used to take dictation rather than the only thing she would feel comfortable doing is retyping it on a typewriter. And I feel like that doesn't help us. I thought about scanning in and OCRing the pages in, but so many of them have deteriorated to such the point that that's really not an option. So um, I think this is what I'm going to use for that project. Okay. I have a different idea for you on this completely okay. unrelated to the show. Okay. T- take over your fancy podcasting microphone and just have her, dictate it, talk into it and save that recording. I could do that too. I mean, I mean, future generations are going to love to hear her talk through it. I'm, I'm working on the same project in my house. I'm going to get my mom and my aunt to talk about growing up in Massachusetts. And, you know, I could and, do a combination and, uh, of both because she really, she really wants a book to give people. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice. And then you can just take that recording, go, drop it in iMovie as an audio file and then take pictures of the, um, of the images and do the Ken Burns. It'll look great. Okay. That'll be awesome. All right. Well, I'll, t- I'm gonna I'll do, do the both. same. I was looking at the whole thing. I was going to talk to Victor and borrow his um, high fancy pants uh, video recorder, but then I got thinking I'd rather just have a really good recording of their voices and then just kind of go Ken Burns, you know, with the pictures. Hmm. Anyway, we got off track. That's yeah. Scribe. I, I think it really is. A good alternative. The problem with both these applications, Max Speech Dictate and Max Speech Scribe, is um, there is no trial period. No. You know. You buy it and you use it. Although I expect if you bought it at the Apple store, oh, I guess they would let you return. I don't, I mean, I don't know. But um, I, I've spoken with people who bought it and were not satisfied with it, who wrote to me at Max Sparky and said that they ended up returning it. So I suspect that you can return it with probably a little bit of discussion, especially if you did it like within 24 hours. But I can't guarantee that. But uh, so you're getting in there. There's no way to really try it. You just need to kind of dive in. But in my experience, if you're a little patient with it, give some thought to how you're going to dictate. Uh, you will find that it is a productive and useful tool. All right. Okay. So, so we that's have, scribe. Yeah. So that's talking to your Mac. I, that's really the only solutions. This isn't one of those shows where we're skipping over a couple things that we don't like. Uh, there just is nothing else. No, there's not. <laughs> Sorry. If you want to talk to your Mac, MacSpeech.com. If you don't find the solution there, uh, there is no solution short of going and get a PC. It. Yeah. Or, or get a Mac and run virtualization software on it and get yeah. Dragon for the PC. That's about yeah. it. So uh, let's get on to our third sponsor. We have a new sponsor, and I'm real excited about it. Yeah. Naval, Naval Labs. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm real excited about Naval Labs because I have, everybody has this problem, I think. I have this problem and that I have, right now I have three books on my nightstand and I'm, I'm 45 pages into one, I'm about 100 pages into another and I'm only about 25 pages into the third and I can't seem to finish any of them and I just, for whatever reason, don't have the motivation. I Every night I go up and I say, okay, I'm going to read a couple of chapters and I end up flipping on the TV and falling asleep instead. So everybody that I know wants to read more. I think if you asked everybody, nobody would say, no, absolutely, I don't want to read more. So um, there's a, a great application that Naval Labs makes called, quite simply, Read More. Um, and what you do is you plug in the information about the books that you're reading. It's it's very simple to set up. You put in the name of the book, you put in the author, uh, you put in the number of pages that it has, um, and it's uh, a reading diary or a reading log, and it will track the um, how far you in, are into the book. Uh, when you pick up the book and you start reading, you pop open your phone, because let's face it, you know, you got your iPhone in your pocket or your iPod touch next to you. Um, and you start the timer, and it will keep track of your reading session times. Um, it will start to track the data and figure out how far you get into the book, how long it's taking you to get into the book. Because some books are easy reads, some that you'll breeze through. Some books are a little bit harder reads. Um, and, you know, it really doesn't take you as long to get through a book as you think. You know, sometimes you look at a book and it just looks daunting. It's, oh my gosh, it's, you know, 500 pages. But when you think about it, oh, wow, I, I finished that reading it 45 minutes a night over the course of a week. So it will also kind of give you predictions of, you know, at the rate that you're going, we predict that you will finish this book in seven days. Or, um, you know, if you're like me, we predict that you'll finish this book in 364 years. Or, And it will track some statistics about how many pages uh, you read per day and things like that. And the idea behind it is is first and foremost, hopefully... It will give you a little bit of motivation by by helping you to keep track of things and, and export your data. So it's it's really a, a beautiful interface. Um and and hopefully it's for me it will be the motivation. I've already got all my books imported into it and um I, I actually picked up a book the other night and started reading it and started tracking my time. So um I'll let you know how it goes. You know, I really like the user interface in this app. The, uh, it's clear that the developer spent a lot of time, you know, on the little things. And I really appreciate that in an app. And I also think it's useful as a dad because my girls have to do all this reading for school and they have to get so many points in and read so many books. If anybody's listening to this, they probably know what I'm talking about that has yeah. kids. So we always get in this crunch towards the end of the semester. It's like, okay, I need to get so many points and I have so many books to read. Well, if you if you start using this app and start getting an idea of how long it takes you to read a book, uh, I think that'll be really useful for them. So I'm going to turn both of them on to using this for their their book reading for school. Uh, and the other thing I thought would be nice for is I I'm in the process of reading Harry Potter to my eight year old. So every night we read. Oh, that's a wonderful book. And uh, but you know I don't know how long it's going to take to finish this one until we get to the next one, and I got to figure out you know do I need to go to the library and get the next one yet? So. This will be kind of nice because, you know, if we do like 20 or 30 minutes a night, I'll be tracking it and be able to kind of get an idea of when we'll be getting to the next book and make sure we've got everything we need. So, And let's uh, face it, we're geeks. We like to track data. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And this is a really just well done app. Another app um, from Naval Labs is called uh, Pomodoro Timer, and it's a great Pomodoro Timer. It's a technique to get more done where you work 25 minutes and take a break for five and 
it's just a nice little simple app once again that does everything right. Uh, so read more app, you can get that at readmoreapp.com. Uh, they're also on iTunes, and we really appreciate them coming on and supporting the show. It's a great app, and, and go check it out. Yeah. Uh, you'll find links to them in our show notes, readmoreapp.com slash iTunes. All right, so we got a, a quite a bit of feedback um, on our last show. Uh, good bit of audio feedback, so thanks, folks, for sending that in. I think we uh, we saved quite a bit of it off, and we'll, um, we'll touch base with some of it on an upcoming Q&A show. Um, but some of it we we did want to talk about now. Um, I Malcolm wrote in and with something I had never heard of before, and I almost feel like I need to smack my head because I'm not sure how I missed this. But Malcolm says, I listened to your complaints about printers nodding sympathetically and presumed that you wanted us to be able to identify with you. And yeah, I, I kind of did. Um, and then he said, I'm surprised that neither of you have explored ink, continuous ink supply systems, CISS. And I'm thinking, what the heck is that? I've never heard of that before. Uh, he says that he's been using a continuous ink supply system for his Pixima, uh, which is the same type of uh, printer that I've had for several years. Um, the uh, original cost of the system was around 100 bucks, and... It's only about $36 more than the cost of replacement genuine inks. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. We'll put a link into the show notes. But it's, it's basically this ink tank with, cartridge, with tubing that, that flows through the printer and refills the individual cartridges. I mean, David, am, am I just got my head stuck in the sand here? Well, I had never heard of it, and I thought it was brilliant. Uh, but you know, like I said in the show, I don't, I don't have an inkjet printer, okay. so I'm, I'm kind of checked out of that tech. But I think it was a great idea, and I don't know why it took them so long to figure it out. And <laughs> like you, I was kind of flabbergasted by it. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I guess it works. I mean, they sell them, but it's, it's. I don't know. It's kind of like an ink ink tank with little tubes that run through the individual ink cartridges that. That keep them filled up. I don't. I mean, I guess that worries me a little bit with that little printer arm going back and forth so fast. But surely the engineers have figured that out. Yeah, right? it's, it's kind of mad science looking too, which I I dig that. It does. I would be afraid of it maybe blowing up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and we also heard from uh, Malcolm. I'm sorry, that was Malcolm. that was Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. We also heard from Rui about um, using a. Mac mini server. And, you know, I had said during the show, I'm not really sure what I'd do with one. And you said, Hey, I really want to find an excuse for using one. Yes. Cause I want to buy one. Yeah. So, uh, he talked about using it as a VPN server, you know, mm-hmm. which you can set up on your uh, iPhone or iPad and you can always be protected regardless of the Wi-Fi you're connected to because all the connections will be encrypted back to your home. And only from that point, everything else will be unencrypted. And in fact, a friend of mine, an Apple store employee friend of mine had made that same point to me. I like that idea. So that that's pretty nice. And then he said, you know, to use it as a file sharing, uh, attach a drove on, use it as a file sharing item, and you can use it to back up multiple Macs with Time Machine to a single reliable place. And that makes a lot of sense too. I think you could probably pull that off without a, a Mac Mini server. But uh, the you know the uh, I talked in the show a little bit about the benefits of Mac OS X server, and they are significant. There's a lot of stuff that's just there that doesn't exist otherwise. Uh, I know Apple's making some changes with the calendar sharing for us mere mortals, but uh, the uh, the server calendar sharing is really nice. 
we also got an email and uh, from a, a listener, and I forget. <laughs> I'm looking through my my saved email right now. Who sent a picture of his Mac cave? Oh my that? gosh! Yes, Felipe, I, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, Felipe. I think maybe we'll put the picture. I'll have to email if he gives permission. We'll put the picture in the in the show notes. It's just the most awesome. Mac We're not worthy. I've ever seen. <laughs> I wrote him back two words. You win. You yeah. <laughs> He's got four monitors and. I mean, this is the ultimate Mac gadgeteer, right? And here. and custom cooling in the cabinets, and yeah, very nice. He's got the monitors mounted on the wall, yeah. pretty cool. So there was a winner last week, and it, it wasn't me. No. no. All right. Well, David, what's next? Uh, I think we're going to talk about photography. We've got a lot of emails from people asking how we do our photography. I've been kind of leery of it. Uh, I do have some definite photography workflows, but I'm not a professional photographer or even one of the pro-ams like our friend Victor Cahiel. Uh But I do have some ideas, and I know you do as well. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I was a little skeptical about doing this show as well, because quite frankly, I'm a point-and-shoot person. I've, I've got a little Canon, you know, elf camera, and that's the extent of it, and I use iPhoto. And then, David, you kind of said, well, there are a lot of people out there like you who do the same thing. And so, okay, well, we'll, we'll talk about kind of the um, non-photographer's guide to photography, or what, what, how, how did you put it? Photography for the photography for mortals. Photography for mortals. So yeah. So I mean, we're look. We take pictures and we're geeks. We've probably got some pretty good ideas. So yeah, come yeah. back and listen. Uh, so where can we find you? Uh, you can find us. Uh, our website is uh, www.macpowerusers.com. You can find links to everything uh, that we talked about in this show. You can send feedback to uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. That comes to both me and Katie, so you'll probably get a response from at least one of us. If you have an audio comment, you can send that in uh, either by attaching an audio file to that email address or you can send it through our new Google Voice account. That uh, number is 706-45-POWER, 706-457-6937. So we're collecting comments and we're talking about doing possibly a, kind of an extended feedback show. So keep sending them in. Even if you don't hear them yet, we're working on it. Yeah, they're, and, they're, they're, they're being saved. And we've also got a Twitter account for Mac Power Users. It's at Mac Power Users at Twitter. So you can follow us, get show information and news. Yeah. We do want to thank one more time all of our sponsors. Smile on my Mac, makers of Text Expander, PDF Pen, PDF Pen Pro, Disk Label, and other fine Mac software. Uh, one password with their fancy newfangled Dropbox sync, and our newest sponsor, Naval Labs. You can find links to all of their great products on our website at MacPowerUsers.com. And thanks everyone for listening and sticking with us through this show, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, David.